Okay. So, so John chapter 6, verse 1. I'm going to have to put this in fast forward and try to move through. The Lord had uh, just had a, a pretty deep conversation with the religious leaders explaining who he is and how, how much they needed to understand who Jesus Christ is. Because he even rebukes them and say, he said, uh, but you do not know his word, uh, you do not have his word abiding in you because he whom he sent him you did not believe. You search the scriptures for in them you think that you have eternal life and these are they which testify of me. You know, Jesus corrected them. You know, you're the ones who are the teachers of the scriptures and you think you, you, you've got them uh, and you think you have eternal life in them, but you've missed the whole point of, of the Old Testament is what Jesus is telling them. You've missed it all. You've missed that they're all pointing to him. So verse uh, chapter 1 of verse 6 uh, is where we're going to end up picking up. But uh, just, just so we can kind of know where we're at, uh, when we started in John one, we discussed that John's gospel is focused on seven miracles and seven I am statements. So as we're reading through, just understanding who he is and, and what he did, we're going we're gonna to study this morning the fourth and fifth, uh, fifth miracles that were recorded in the gospel of John. Uh, specifically, there are other miracles that are, are combined where it'll say, and he did many signs and wonders and those things, but actual miracles that are brought up for topics for us to be able to study. So we see here what we're going to cover, uh, verses 1 through 21, is the feeding of the 5,000. Now, this specific account is in all four gospel accounts. So uh, just understanding only this and the resurrection are found in all four gospel accounts. It, it should spark, uh, so it, it might be familiar to us. We might read and go, yeah, I understand that story. I ask you to read it again and slow down and read it again and find it in all the different the different Gospels and go through and read just different lenses. It's, it's the same story, just from different lenses. Oh, uh, Mark might add this, or, or Matt, Matthew, Matt. Matthew might add this, you know, th those things. Uh, just understanding. But it might be familiar, and the question is why. Why would it be familiar? Because God made sure that all four of these men recorded this. You know, Mark uh, doing his, his writing for Peter, but it's God making a statement regarding the lessons that are found herein. So some important lessons we're going to cover and we're going to learn from this are uh, some lessons in ministry. Uh, these are, it's not all the lessons. God's going to speak to you and, and teach you through it. But the ones that, uh, that, that were most prominent uh, that, that I found in, in my study and in prayer and, and uh, reading and, and uh, chewing on, on uh, these scriptures is God's provision and sovereignty. Sovereignty. God's understanding of our needs and ability to meet them, and faith in times of trouble. So John chapter 6, verse 1. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. So after these things, like we just discussed, the conversation that he just had with the religious leaders after they were upset that he healed a man that was lame for 38 years at the Pool of Bethesda, and he healed him on the Sabbath, and Jesus had to correct them and, and give them uh, a good lesson. So when it says here that after these things, he went over the Sea of Galilee. Sea of Galilee is uh, also referred to as the Sea of Tiberias in honor of the Roman uh, Caesar. 
So uh, the Gospel of John was written after the destruction of Jerusalem in A.D. 70. So when he says the Sea of Tiberias, uh, <clears throat> he's reflecting back. You know, everybody knew it as the Sea of Galilee, Galilee, but this was written 85, 90 A.D., uh, and so 15, 20 years after the destruction of Jerusalem. So Tiberias uh, is, that's why they call it also the, the, you know, which is the Sea of Tiberias. So it's, um, like I said, estimated that he wrote it around 15 to 20 years after the destruction. So they changed the name to honor uh, Tiberius, the Roman Caesar. So uh, Galilee, uh, as we've talked about, uh, John spoke, uh, discusses most of his, uh, his gospel around uh, what the Lord did in Judea and the other gospel accounts in Galilee. Verse 2, Then a great multitude followed him, because they saw his signs, which he had performed on those who were diseased. So, no surprise, Jesus is doing many signs and wonders, and uh, he's got a big crowd. The crowd's starting to, to build. Wherever he'd go, we can read in the scriptures, there were crowds following him. And uh, there were people that were that were uh, wanted to hear, they wanted to see, they wanted to benefit from uh, being around Jesus. So there are a lot of people there, and there's a lot of healing needed. Mark's gospel says that as he sees this multitude of people, he was moved with compassion. And uh, Mark also goes on to say that they were uh, as sheep without a shepherd. So when he saw this multitude, it wasn't like, is it ever going to stop? These whiny people coming to me and everything. The Lord's heart saw people with needs in their hearts, and he, they people that were sheep without a shepherd. They're lost, and the Lord wants to minister to them. So Matthew tells us that he's ministering to the crowd all day long, and, and uh, Jesus, in ministering to them, knows that they're hungry, and, and what we'll read here is that he, that he meets that need. So he's been ministering to the, this crowd of people that weren't bugging him, uh, they were they were there. They they so they were seen as sheep without a shepherd. Now uh, we have a few people here that that own sheep. Kathy, you own sheep, right? You and Gary, um, and uh, that they, they need to be led. I have a puppy. Uh, he would love to run over next door to the full grown German Shepherd and try to play with him, who he doesn't know. Or he'd love to run and chase the guy riding his bicycle down <laughs> down the road, and uh, not knowing not knowing that if he runs out on the road, he's going to get hit. You know, sheep without a shepherd, that's not a good spot to be in. Sheep without a shepherd are wandering. They're lost. So Jesus saw this multitude of, of people that were lost in need of a Savior, and he ministers to them. And he's, as he's ministering to them, it goes all through the day, and everybody's getting no doubt tired, and everybody's hungry. You know, they're, they're, they're out here listening to Jesus and, and being ministered to. And Verse 3, And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now, the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near, so it's it's springtime. And uh, then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But, but this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. So uh, Jesus sees all the people coming like we had already discussed. And he looks and he turns to Philip. And we'll talk about Philip a little bit more here in a minute. And, and uh, Jesus is beginning a test for Philip. And he, and he says, 
you know, where should we buy bread that these may eat? You know, they're all out there. Jesus knew the need was there, and, and uh, he's testing Philip. And uh, Philip's response was, well, eight months' worth of wages uh, wouldn't pay for all these people. And uh, that's a denarii was, was uh, one day's work. And so if you, you know, spread that out over 200, you got right around uh, eight months' worth of work. So uh, they're, uh, they've sought a, a mountain of a quiet place, and uh, Jesus is spending time with his disciples, and that's an important thing to understand. So as, as you know, they were ministering and, and everybody comes and everything, there were always times that Jesus was investing in, the, in them and, and uh, between in, uh, ministry opportunities that, that the Lord was uh, ministering to them and, and teaching them and building them. So at this time, like I said, it's springtime and, and uh, the masses come. It's, uh, this, this account says he lifted up his eyes and the masses, masses were coming and he starts testing Philip. And he wants Philip to realize that he's the greatest resource uh, that he needed for anything in life, that there's no, no greater resource available to Philip. And for us, there's no greater resource for us than God himself. That if we that if we are placing our faith and trust in Christ, that He's going to meet every need, and we've talked about that several times. How many times uh, can we read in the Scripture of God's faithfulness to provide? You know, and 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 the Lord reminding us. You know, He knows the number of hairs on our head, how valuable we are to Him, and and that He knows our needs, and He's going to meet those. And we're of, and He's He's talking about. You know, you got you got birds that are out doing their thing, and 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 God takes care of them. You know all the all the flowers and the that are in the field. He, he knows how to take care of them. How much more worth are how much more um, a value are we than uh, than they? Is is that approach that that we are made in God's image and He loves to provide for us and we can trust in Him. So he's he's talking to Philip and and uh, there's a ministry uh, there's a personal lesson and a ministry lesson here for Philip and. You know, when Philip goes on to say that, you know, 200 denarii, that eight, eight months worth of, of uh, provision wouldn't be enough, of, of pay wouldn't be enough. And, and not only that, but if you think, okay, 5,000 people. Now, uh, another gospel account says that this was 5,000 men, uh, not including men and uh, women and children. So there's more than 5,000 people there. And just think of the logistical nightmare of trying to get food enough to feed more than 5,000 people. 5,000 people right then. You know, if you're going to have a big, you know, feast and a big thing going on, the plan, you start planning far in advance. What are we going to get for food and, and all these things? When we do a, a fellowship dinner or a, a fall family fun day, I remember Jen putting all these things together and contacting people, you know, are you making these things? Like it was, it was a planned event and we had to plan logistically for, you know, how many people are coming? What do we need? And we put those two things together and hopefully everybody's fed. So think of the logistical nightmare of, you know, Jesus looking at him and saying, you know, uh, they've got to eat. <laughs> they've got to eat. And he's going, uh, we don't have enough money. And, you know, everything just, and, and it's a test. You know, I, I wonder if Jesus might have had a smirk when, when he's kind of looking around trying to figure it out. Might have. I don't know. That's, ex, that's just my personal opinion that there might have been something there. And uh, so Jesus knew what he was going to do. Now, remember, Philip, in John chapter 1, Jesus told him to follow him, and he did. You know, Philip, we can, uh, we can read it. We follow on, and you, and you kind of do a, a, a study of Philip's life. He's using Acts chapter 8 to share the gospel with the Samaritans, and he's used to preach to the Ethiopian eunuch to baptize him and then carried away by the Holy Spirit, preach in Azotus, uh, all the way to Caesarea. So God took a willing and faithful servant and used him. 
And uh, so at this point, maybe Philip's close enough to Jesus. Uh, who knows? Uh, who, who, uh, who knows how Philip, you know, got, got the question asked to him. But uh, it was Philip. And uh, we understand that the Lord used Philip mightily uh, after uh, he was sent out. <clears throat> and like I just said in those account and acts. And, you know, one thing we can consider is uh, when that's an insurmountable thing for Philip to, to think of. He's, he's looking going that it's impossible. There, there's no way for us to, that's what he's saying. He's like, Oh, we don't have enough money. He's literally just saying we can't, we can't take care of that need, you know, forgetting all of the miracles that he had already seen, you know, uh, just, just think of the water turned into wine, right? Just all those things that, that maybe should have come to mind at that time. And I'm not just dogging Philip because we're all just like these guys. We see their failures and, and their victories. Same thing happens in our life. We forget God's faithfulness and his provision or uh, you know, the victory he gave us uh, in a battle or whatever it may be. And, uh, and we just get into a circumstance and think that that's uh, the, greatest, the greatest thing uh, that will just take us down or whatever or something that, that's un insurmountable. But, you know, if we're in a great trial in life, it might be financial, it might be medical, we're just praying for for roof, and it uh, might be uh, something spiritual, whatever it is, go to Jesus with it and ask. You know, Jesus said he knew what he was going to do, and he knows what he's going to do. All we need to do is come to him, trust him. And, he, you know, the scripture doesn't say those who trust in him are going to be left completely uh, empty and uh, void, and uh, you're going to be embarrassed. You know, that's not what the scripture says. You know, scripture tells us that he's a faithful, uh, loving and faithful father and that we can trust in him. Verse 8, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? So uh, I, I, I listened to a pastor that was like, he almost it could have been the, the hero of this story right here. If he would have just shut up, he said, basically, he said, there, there's a lad here. It's five barley loaves and two small fish. Like, Hey, we know that Jesus can multiply things. We watched him do it. We, you know, in Cana, when he turned the water into wine, it, if he would have stopped right there, but he has to go on with the human response to it and say, but what are they among so many? You know, and uh, I like that, so I wanted to share it. So, uh, when Andrew and I, I, I listened to another pastor, that uh, it was it was a blessing to hear him say this. He's like, I wonder what what looks he got. You know, sometimes uh, there there's like we say stupid things, and people look like you've all been in the classroom. There are stupid questions. You know, people are like there's no stupid questions. Yes, there are stupid questions. Uh, we've we've all heard them or asked them ourselves. Sometimes there are stupid questions, and I wonder. Uh, when this pastor brought that up, I was like, oh, yeah, that's, yeah, no doubt. Somebody probably, yeah, we got five loaves and two barley loaves are like, you know, one, one guy to do, uh, uh, explains uh, English muffins. It's like, hey, this guy's got five English muffins and a couple small fish. We're, we're probably all set. Like, and they're just looking over like, what do you, stop talking. You know, it was, so like I said, that's, uh, we don't know that that happened, but it might have been one of those like, dude. You know, it might have been, a, you know, a look like that. I don't know. But barley loaves are, you know, like cakes and a, a small fish. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a little boy's lunch. It said he's a lad. It's a boy's lunch. He's got a little, little bit of bread and some fish in there. He's going to have a fish fillet uh, sandwich or, or whatever. So, uh, yeah, they, uh, so after experience, everything that they'd experienced so far in walking with Jesus, uh, they should have known that that would be enough. Or that they really didn't need anything and that the Lord was going to provide. But they're like us and, and they uh, get to a point where they're 
they'll overlook God and they'll overlook his faithfulness and his power in their lives. And, and we get to see the recording and go, oh, these guys are losers or whatever. We do the same thing. You know, we forget whatever it is. How am I going to pay this bill? How am I going to get this job done? How am I going to put, you know, this finish up what I need to before the snow starts flying? Right. Because in, in, in Maine, it seems like, you know, there are times where uh, we just you just hear, yeah, someone's starting to build a building in like November. And I'm like, mm, you might be adding a lot of stress to your life. You know, you guys remember a few years ago I was down. Um, I had some training due in the D.C. area. Um, I don't know how many years ago, I'll say it was nine years ago, uh, eight, nine years ago. And I'm down there and you guys got like a foot and a half of snow, uh, on, on Halloween night. Yeah. And, uh, Jen calls me and she's like, uh, yeah, there's a whole tree down in our yard. I mean, like there was total complete chaos in the end of October, you know? And I mean, snow, everything. I had 21, 21 truckloads of wood to get out of my yard. I've got a full size truck. Yeah, that was all in October. So maybe we need to plan ahead and, and, and be ready. But for everything that they had experienced, uh, just understanding that God is going to meet their needs and he's watched them meet so many people's needs and listened to all the sermons and seen all these things, they still forgot it. They still they're like, oh, yeah, we just don't have enough. We've got to send them away. You know, we've only got the creator of the universe walking around with us. But, yeah, yeah, we don't have enough. So. Yeah, so uh, now barley was always regarded as a simple food and, and, and more often fit for animals than people. So that means it's, uh, you know, that as this boy uh, has it, it's probably a young, like a poor family. So it's a young, a poor kid's meal. You know, so he's got some barley loaves, a little bit of bread and, and some fish. You know, there's, uh, you know, they're two small fish. Um, I, I have something here that I found that uh, 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 quote, and I, I didn't put on here who the quote was from, so apologize to whoever it was. He says, uh, while the other evangelists use an ordinary word for fish, John uh, calls them osperia, uh, indicating that they were two small fish, perhaps salted fish, uh, to be eaten as a relish uh, among the cakes of barley. So, I mean, this isn't like you, you wouldn't even present this as a meal uh, really for more than, you know, one person or whatever. Now, and to think back in those days to have um, have extra food, you know, to take with you and everything, um, uh, it's difficult. You know, it's not like they're walking around with the the, the Yeti cooler and, and they can they have it with them for days. Greg and uh, Jen Johnson, they come here and they can buy blocks of, of ice, put it in their their overnight cooler they're like it's a yeti type um cooler and they they go camp for like two weeks and they just buy blocks of ice when they need it and, they, and it's good they, they didn't have this option back then so this was uh just enough for him to take with him and and uh, so it's really really nothing uh but the lord uh, does something amazing with it so the question of you know who you know what are they among so many and and uh, i'm convinced that jesus loved this question and because he knew what he was going to do and i I, that that hey j just wait you know what are these among so many and uh, that the Lord uh, the Lord's going to minister he had a personality you know he's not walking around as a robot just saying these words you know and uh, you know God God does have a sense of humor all you got to do is look at like a platypus or anything and just realize like you know there's some things that are funky looking the the jellyfish is it, what it, what's it called blobfish. You ever look at a blobfish, you know, Google that thing. Uh, swimming around in water, uh, it, it looks like a fish. You take it out of water and it looks like I, it, it, a grumpy old man with no bones. 
It, it, like, you got to look at the face. And it, it, have you ever seen them out of water? They're hilarious. The girls show it to me, and they're like, this thing's so ugly. And, you know, but it looks it's so cute and everything. But, you know, God does have a sense of humor. So I don't know if the sense of humor came out here or not. But, you know, when we have a mindset that we have little to offer God, God does mighty things. And uh, they're, they're just saying, we've got nothing. We don't have enough here to take care of all this. And uh, it reminds me of, of a few things. And you know, the woman with the two mites. You know, Jesus stopped everybody when she put those two mites in and said, that one right there. You see that? Everybody's giving so that everybody can be all impressed with all the big amounts. The one that gave the least uh, monetarily gave the most spiritually. And she expressed her faith. And I don't have much to offer the Lord, but what I do have, I'm giving to the Lord. You guys know me way better than that, that I'm not taking another collection after this, and we're not you know, opening up the tithe boxes saying, hey, you need to... No, it's all about the spiritual blessing of giving whatever it is to the Lord and saying, God, I don't, I don't have uh, a great voice. I don't play the guitar uh, like you know, Slash from Guns N' Roses or you know, Phil Keggy or you know, whoever it might be. I don't have all those things. What can you do? Do for the Lord, and he's going to bless it. And it's just important to understand. So thinking of that woman with the two mites, and God used her to teach the great lesson lesson of trusting in him and placing our faith in, uh, our, our faith in him. You know, we still honor that, that, that young widow, or that young widow, that widow, that dear widow, uh, here today, 2,000 years later. We're still, like, here we are talking about her. You know, she, she just took two little copper coins, dropped them in. And the Lord teaches us from that. Remember the widow that was, uh, that God sent to Elijah? I'm going to read it to you because uh, it's uh, it's pretty cool. First uh, Kings chapter 17 verses 8 through 16 says, "Then the word, So the Lord had uh, proclaimed a drought, and uh, that's where we're picking up here in, in verse 8. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. Just stop there for just a second. A widow usually doesn't provide for anybody else. A widow's just trying to get by in those days. And it's just it, like this this is a miraculous thing happening here in the life of Elijah. See, I've commanded a widow to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water and a cup that I may drink it. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, As the Lord God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin, and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks, that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat and die. Sounds like pretty dire straits. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and for your son. There's a step of faith, prophet of God saying, hey, feed me first and then feed your son. There's not enough. They were going to have the last meal. And he's just telling her to place her faith and trust in, in, in God at this point. Verse 14, for thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and he and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was, being, was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry. 
according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke to Elijah. A widow. Elijah said, uh, God sent Elijah to a widow, someone who was literally scraping the bottom of everything for one last meal. That's what she's saying. No, I'm going to scrape everything together and make one last meal, and then we're going to starve to death. And the Lord, through Elijah, just tells her to step out in faith and listen to the prophet. And she does. Her obedience to God and, uh, you know, blessed and uh, uh, helped Elijah. And, and it's, it's also a lesson for us. Her obedience to the Lord saved her life and the life of her son. So when we look at a boy's lunch and understand that the Lord is about to use it to feed 5,000 people, we have to understand that, you know, when it's opposite of us saying, I, whatever I do have may not be enough, but I'm going to offer it to the Lord. If there's the opposite of, oh, yeah, I can sing. Oh, yeah, I can play. Oh, yeah, I can teach. Oh, yeah, you wait. You know what? I'm going to go in the nursery. Those people don't know what they're doing. Wait till I get in there, and I'll have it in order. Good luck. <laughs> Good luck. There are little monsters in there. Love them. All, one of them just screams as soon as I say that. No, they, they are. I love them dearly. Don't, don't get me wrong. Then you go upstairs with the children's ministry some days. I taught them up there for, I don't know, 20 years. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if they right now it's ages from 4 to 12. Imagine the challenges that can come from trying to keep a 12-year-old, uh, like, to feel that, like they're learning, and a 4-year-old from not you know, peeing themselves or picking their nose and wiping it on somebody. I don't mean to just be gross, but those are literally things that I dealt with up there, you know? So it's, uh, it's those things that whenever we go to something in pride saying, yeah, I got it. If I, I'm the guy who's got it. No, you know what? Everything we have comes from the Lord. And if I can take whatever little thing he gives me and offer it to the Lord, uh, and that's, and I'm not even talking monetary. It's all about you know whatever gifts he's poured out on us or whatever it is. And if we offer it to the Lord, he's gonna. This little boy's like, hey, you know what? I guess I'm giving up my lunch. And they take the lunch, and the Lord blesses it. We'll see here. You know, it's, it's, it's as we respond in faith, that's where we're gonna find victory in our lives instead of uh, you know, responding in pride. Yeah, I got this. Yeah, give me the guitar. I can jump up on stage. Spotlight. Fog lights and spiral thingies and things floating around foolishness um yeah, so just understanding with god all things are possible the the, the sweatshirts and t-shirts that uh, the way of escape you may see from the addiction recovery uh, meetings that happened on friday the the motto of that on the back it says with god all things are possible i love to wear that on my sweatshirt and on my t-shirt as i'm walking through you know uh, the town of bucksport or just having discussions with people because you know who knows i'm, I'm hoping it's going to open up more conversations like hey what's your what's your back uh, you know the back of your shirt saying oh let's talk and just talk about it. yeah those are the words of jesus and uh, he said that and then we can you know have a discussion from there so as we read in, in verses 7 and 8, they're realizing that whatever they have wasn't enough, and Jesus shows them that he can meet all their needs. And, um, you know, it, 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 for me, I believe that when, when they said, yeah, we don't really have enough when they're summarizing that, that I believe that response from uh, in Jesus uh, would, would have been like, yeah, perfect. Now let me show you what I can do. And he does. Verse 10, then Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down. In number of a number about five thousand, and Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples 
to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. There's a lot in those th uh, two verses. Definitely a lot to cover, and I'll try to get through it as quickly as I can. So Luke records uh, that they sat down in groups of 50. So the Lord starts here, and he says, Make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, in number about 5,000, then broken up into groups of 50. So what we see here is in ministry, there should be order and organization. It shouldn't be total chaos and things going on, everything all around our lives. Uh, I, somebody, uh, uh, Deb and I were talking about tissues, and we went to go out front to look for tissues. And uh, there has been a little bit of shuffling of things, and uh, somebody opened the uh, the closet door, and Jen spent a lot of time in there organizing uh, and just reorganizing and uh, just moving things around. And it was like, you need you need all this. She says it was amazing, right? And just that having that organization, understanding where things are, it's it's important in our lives, and especially what these guys are learning is in ministry there needs to be order and organization. There, it, it, that it has to be done. So the Lord has them spread out. And, it, you know, it could have been chaos, right? You've seen the videos, you know, uh, Operation whatever flies over and drops food and people flock to it and they're ripping each other apart and, and they're trying to get to it or, you know, someone will come and take it all and steal it all away so they don't get all the... We, we saw that happening in Africa, you know, uh, when you think of Somalia. I mean, that, was, that wasn't because they didn't have food. It was people were keeping it from people and starving them to death. It's awful. You know, it could have been chaos. It could have been fights over what's happening here. Jesus takes command of the whole thing, gives delegates command, and tells everybody, hey, you guys are going to go do this, and you're going to have everybody break up into groups of 50 and then go take care of them. So they all go out and they do what they're supposed to do. You know, just thinking there's a lot of hangry people there. They've been all day, there all day. You guys know what hangry is, right? Yeah, I know for me, my, my wife and kids know what hangry is because um, they see it in me. Like, I don't know. I just need to eat. You know, after we after I eat, my blood sugars get back up. I'll be okay, and uh, whatever it was. So, uh, you know, when when we're hungry and tired, we have short tempers. So that's what it is. So Jesus is using the disciples to minister to the others. He's constantly building up those that are following him, his disciples, the ones that are being disciplined other under his teaching. So he gives them positions of authority, and and they tell the crowd, "Hey, you guys need to sit down," and they do. So the crowd, the crowd's obeying the command of Jesus through the obe the uh, the command of the disciples. So that's a lot of people, five thousand men, not counting women and children. So you're talking way over five thousand people that are there. So just understanding how big of an operation that's happening here. Verse eleven, uh, where it says, "And Jesus took the loaves." And uh, right before that, if you're you're considering at, right as it's Right before the food starts getting distributed, Matthew 14, verse 18, uh, Jesus said, uh, bring them here to me. You know, whatever we do have, the five loaves, the two fish, bring them to me. So those little things, everybody's probably confused. Why is Jesus asking for them? And uh, he's got everybody sitting down. He asks for those things. And then uh, he gives thanks, as was his custom. And we see in the scripture, should be for us. We should be praying before our meals. Uh, and everything give thanks, the scripture says. So and then he distributes the bread to the disciples. The disciples hand them out to other people. And the same likewise with the fish. And uh, understanding at the end of verse 11, it says, uh, as much as they wanted. 
So there's a miraculous multiplication of the food that's happening here. That as you know, Jesus prays, he blesses the food, and he's, he's, he's giving it to the disciples to give out, and it just doesn't go, it doesn't stop. Remember the widow? We just, we just covered all the way back that, that ministered to Elijah, the same thing. As she was obedient, whatever she needed kept coming. And the Lord's just handing out bread, and it just keeps coming. And it, and it says that they all ate as much as they wanted, as much as they wanted. Now they're hungry, and I'm sure that they you know they were ready for a lot of food. And they're spreading it out, and and uh, uh, as they do, we're going to see that they actually come back with full baskets that come back. And you know, there's enough Jesus uh, to go around the whole world. We don't we don't have to try to limit who can come to Jesus. You guys ever, and, and I'll, we'll get into a little bit more of Calvinism and Arminianism uh, next week, so I'm not going to go on a big, big, long thing. But uh, don't ever read your scriptures and go, ah, aha, these people aren't going to be able to, to come to Jesus. Yes. You know, there should never be a celebration of that or, or, or a statement of, well, this person can't come to Jesus, but I can. There's no pride in that, right? So we'll talk more about that. We'll talk about, but there's, there's Jesus, there's enough Jesus for the whole world. Jesus said, you know, that whosoever believes in him, that whosoever believes, here's the gospel and believes whosoever. And we'll get into that. So he, he breaks up the bread, breaks up the fish. Um, and, uh, it, God's using the smallest things as, as a little boy's lunch. And they had as much as they wanted. It wasn't like rationing, you know, like, Oh no, 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 no. You get three nibbles. And then this person gets three nibbles. And everything, um, it, it's 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 always funny uh, just to just to listen when there's a small amount of something and we all have to share it. Like, hey, you know, there's one you know big giant cookie. Or okay, so okay, we got five of us. We're going to cut it up in the right way. Hey, you got you got a little bit more than your fifth, you know. And, and everybody's trying to. There's none of that happening. They're all they all have enough, and the food just kept coming. So it's a big big ministry lesson that's happening here. You know. Uh, ministry, uh, life lesson that's happening here. How can I, whatever the feeding of 5,000 is in our lives today, I don't know what burdens we're dealing with or situations we're dealing with now. We can, it's never too big or too small to bring to Jesus. Just bring it to him and be like, I can't do this. Can you help me? And he will. It's about him. Verse 12. So when they were filled, they were filled. They didn't just eat a little bit and go, oh, okay, that took the edge off. These guys were, everybody was full. And he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them up and were filled, filled 12 baskets with fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over uh, by those who had eaten. So they were, everybody was filled. Nothing was lost. 12 baskets full. And how many disciples? I mean, there were more people. We'll see. There were more disciples and everything. But it's kind of cool that there were 12 baskets full when it came back. Verse 14. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, this is truly the prophet who has come into the world. Jesus could have, you know, called manna from heaven or done other things. But, you know, remember the fish when... when uh, they had out, been out fishing all night long, and they're tired and everything. And the Lord says, "Hey, cast your nets on the other side." You know, but we're the fishermen here, or whatever. You know, he could have done anything he wanted to to provide for them, but he chose to use a young boy's lunch, and and uh, and he he wanted them to learn the lessons that they did. Important to understand: without him, we can do nothing. 
And if you read back into John chapter 5, you'll understand the significance of even that. Remember John, uh, God telling Gideon that he had too many men to fight the, Gideon, uh, the Midianites? Remember that? We're going to cover these verses. Judges chapter 7 should be coming up here. Verses 2 through 7. And the Lord said to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands. The problem comes right here. Lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, My own hand has saved me. Now, therefore, proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once uh, from Mount Gilead. And then 22,000 of the people returned and 10,000 remained. That's a lot of people turning away. Hey, whoever's scared, get out of here. 22,000 left with 10,000 now. But verse 4 says, But the Lord said to Gideon, The people are still too many. Bring them down to the water, and I will test them there, uh, test them for you there. Then it will be that of whom I say, This one shall go with you, the same shall go with you. And whom, of, whom, of whomever I say to you, uh, This one uh, shall go with you, the same, same shall not go with you. So he brought the people down to the water. And the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone who laps from the water with his tongue, as a dog laps, you shall set apart for yourself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink. And the number of those who lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, was 300 men. But all the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink water. Then the Lord said to Gideon, By the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people go, every man to his place. Remember where this started, where the Lord was saying, uh, he, where he said, lest Israel claim glory for itself, saying, my own hand has saved me. God loves to put us in a spot where we cannot provide for ourselves. We cannot conquer whatever task it is in front of us. We can't take care of whatever it is without relying upon him. How many times have I shared up here, God loves to give us more than we can handle? I, I, I don't th when people say that, I'm not telling you they're lying to you. They just don't understand God. God loves to have us give us more than we can handle so that we can rely upon him. He loves having us rely upon him for everything. He is going to give us more than we can handle so that we can place our faith and trust in him and understand who he is and how much he loves us. And he cares for the even the smallest of things in our lives. We just go to the Lord and ask him. I will tell you, if when you're pulling into a parking lot, I heard somebody say, every time I pull in and I pray for the best spot to be open, and then it's open. <laughs> you know, well, what if it's not? Okay, does God hate you at that point? You know, so just be careful with that. You know, if, if you have lofty goals of always having the number one parking spot everywhere, don't get too excited. The Lord loves to tell us, no, you know what? What you have is, is, is you think you have this much? No, 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 no. You need much less of yourself and more of me, and then you're going to have the victory. Just like he said to these guys here in, uh, in Midian. Uh, sorry, uh, Gideon's uh, crew as they're about to go take out the Midianites. Oh, I thought we were going to get through uh, 15 and 21. Surprise, I talk too much. Um, so we, we will not get there today. But understand that as we go through the scriptures in our own readings, with this being in all four gospel accounts, God has it there for a reason. 
And what it, when, when you're looking, there's all kinds of different lessons. I can't say, well, the lesson is this and the lesson is that. Because you might read it yourself and go, well, the next the next time you read it and the Lord goes, oh, you know, he's teaching you and, and you're just going to have to like, wow. Okay, I know I've read that 15 times, but I never understood that. No, the important things uh, that that uh, we just covered are ministry uh, provision in ministry, provision in our own lives and trusting him. Just stepping out in faith and say, understanding that we have nothing that God needs. There's nothing that we can offer God that God's like, well, I'd love to say, you know, do this or that. But, you know, John isn't listening to me, so I can't, you know. He wants to use us. He wants to include us, but he's not limited to us. He's not. It's. It's. Uh, he wants to use us. He wants to to build us and strengthen us, and uh, that that we once we've heard the gospel and we start walking with him, that we grow in our walk with him, just a personal relationship. But then when we get to a point where we're strong enough, he starts using us, and we're sharing the gospel. Remember the woman at the well. We just studied her, and remember. Uh, any of these accounts that we've even studied recently, they just went and they just shared what they heard and learned. The Lord's going to use us right then. We may not be the greatest of the uh, uh, theologians. Don't need to be. Just tell our story. Just tell the story that God is given. And he's going to use that. He's going to multiply it. You know, if, if I don't know, you know, I, I know God that, that this person, you know, needs to hear the gospel, but I'm not the greatest at communicating. Well, this is how God has worked in my life. I was born and raised in a Christian household, or um, or uh, or I wasn't, and this was my my tragic story. And this is how the Lord used me. This is how you know what I lived a fairly you know I don't want to say easy life, but a fairly you know uncontested life of uh, didn't have a whole lot of hardships and everything. Do I have a story to tell? Absolutely, you do, because each of us are sinners that we need a Savior. And when we've come to that acknowledgement and we've confessed Christ as our Savior, and He's now living in us. We can anybody can tell that story. Don't ever say, "Well, I couldn't minister to that biker over there with the Hell's Angel patch or whatever." Whatever, I, because I didn't come from that world. Yes, you can. You can share a story with anybody. The Lord opens up the opportunities to. So whatever He calls us to do, just trust in Him. Don't go. I, I just don't have enough. I can't be that person. I can't do this. I can't do that. I, how many times have I confessed to you guys? Scared to death over right here to sing. I don't. You know. I don't, not a whole lot of us like to sing in public. I've got to do it and broadcast it to whoever's watching here. And if I do something wrong, play a wrong note or sing off key or, you know, sing the wrong lyrics. You guys notice that? They're just those things. Just offer it. Whatever we have, offer it to the Lord. He's going to bless us. He's going to use us as long as we're faithful servants, trusting in him and following him to his glory. Remember, the problem with all the whole group there is that God said there are too many that, that were there with Gideon. That if they get the victory, they're uh, they're going to be able to glory in themselves and say, yeah, we had a million people and we went up and we took them all out. They couldn't handle us all. No, it was 300 of them and God used them in a crazy way. They're yelling, they're, they're making, ah, they're the sword of Gideon and they're scaring everybody and lights are going off and everything and everybody's, the enemy starts stabbing them each other. That's how the, the Gideon got the victory in that. From 300 people doing what you know, what they, uh, what Gideon told them to do, and Gideon following the Lord, you know, to go from 32,000 people to 300, like, okay, now you got enough to go into battle. You had too many before. <laughs> Usually, you hear the the thing of strength in numbers. No, it's strength in the Lord. Whatever He calls us to. Amen. Amen. Let's let's pray. Father, you are so gracious. 
so uh, so powerful, Lord, and and uh, we so often forget both of those things. That we can come to you with any need, and that we need to trust you when you've called us to serve you. Lord, there's so much for us to learn. Uh, there's uh, so much you want to do in and through our lives. We pray, Lord, that we wouldn't be the ones stopping it. That nobody would and nothing would, Lord, that we would be completely surrendered to you. And you would use us for whatever talents you've given us, whatever you've given us in life, whatever it is, Lord, that we would use it for your glory. Offer it up to you. And as this little boy's lunch, five loaves and two fish fed over 5,000 people. God, that you use that as, as a ministry lesson uh, for those that you were training for ministry. And you bless those who are hungry and in need and there's just so much for us to chew on with that. We pray, Lord, that you continue to speak to us through this, Lord. And as the week comes, to finish this chapter on our own. Come prepared for next week to study what we've, what, what's uh, contained in these, uh, the rest of this chapter. We love you. We praise you. We thank you and ask you to please be with us now. Protect us as we go about our day and uh, for some going about the week. and uh, That your grace and mercy would cover us. In Jesus' name, amen. Grace and peace to you guys. Have a great day.